This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The shock in Maple Ridge tonight, a community mourning the loss of a 16-year-old girl. She was killed in a crash that left two others in hospital, one in critical condition. John Hua has more on where it happened and why locals say changes are needed to that stretch of road or more lives will be lost. Just hours after this horrific crash, Anita Butler heard a knock on the door of her Maple Ridge home. And they said that there was a car accident and Annalise was deceased. Annalise Gardner, a loving grandchild, daughter and sister, taken from her family much too soon. I walked away and um, took a deep breath and then I asked where the accident was. It happened on 248th Street near 128th Avenue at about 1 o'clock early Wednesday morning. Residents in the area call it a dangerous curve in the road. If you don't know the road, I mean, the, the corner comes up on you pretty fast. Hopefully the city will step up and finally put barricades in here because uh, it happens a couple times a year. Two people who were in the front were taken to hospital with serious injuries. Gardner, who was wearing her seatbelt in the back, died at the scene. She had just turned 16 and uh, she'll be sorely missed. The teen is being remembered for her ability to light up a room. Her talent in both acting and modeling already starting to take off. She had a gift and uh, the gift was she, uh, she really touched a lot of people. It's that gift that will be forever missed by those closest to her. From friends sending a message to Annalise's mother. You raised the most incredible person and she just was gone in a blink of the eye. To a grandmother who says she's not the one who's supposed to say goodbye. She was there to help you and she was there when you, you really needed her and I'm going to be lost without her. Police have yet to determine the cause but there are calls for the city to do more about this notorious bend in the road in hopes of saving another family from getting that heartbreaking knock on the door. John Hua, Global News. The Coquihalla fully reopened to traffic this afternoon after being shut down for hours overnight due to a multi-vehicle crash. This one happened midway between Hope and Merritt. It began with two semi-trailers colliding in the northbound lanes, causing a fire that spread to nearby bushes. Thankfully, that fire was fairly quickly contained. However, a short time later, another northbound vehicle struck the back of one of the rigs and the driver of that vehicle did not survive. And after a five-hour closure, the 3,000 block of Spurway Avenue in Coquitlam has reopened. It was closed because of a house fire. It was so bad, crews could do very little to save the inside of the structure. Thankfully, the two people inside managed to get out safely, and residents from neighboring homes that were evacuated are now allowed to return. Witnesses report hearing a number of explosions. And all of a sudden I hear some bangs. 
at least three times I heard a bang. It was like an explosion. And actually afterwards it black smoke. And all of a sudden you see the fire coming from the roofs. Coquitlam RCMP and fire investigators are now working together to determine exactly how the fire started. An innocent man injured in a police takedown in New Westminster has learned today no charges will be laid against the officers involved. The Independent Investigations Office, or IIO, has determined their actions were justified. Romina Dea just spoke exclusively with the victim. And Romina, this is all related to a double homicide in Vancouver back in 2016. It is, Sophie, and this innocent bystander had nothing to do with that case, which is currently before the courts. I just spoke to him a short time ago, and he tells me that he is extremely disappointed with the IIO's decision, but he's not surprised. This was the whole bite on my leg by the dog. So it did like bite like this, and then they dragged me down a small gradient slope. This bottom part here, too, was actually hanging out, and they stitched it up. Now, Viknesh Supramaniam is still recovering from injuries he suffered two years ago when a police dog ripped part of his ear off. He suffered bites to his back and his leg. Supramaniam was just driving to Home Depot when he got caught up in a police chase that had nothing to do with him. The takedown in New West was linked to a kidnapping and double murder in Vancouver. Six people are currently on trial. As I said, the case is before the court. Supramaniam said he was screaming, I'm innocent, I'm innocent but it didn't matter. He said that the use of force was not justified in his opinion. Firstly, I'm really disappointed. Um, I didn't expect them to say that the police, the, like the dog handler was not at fault to the fact that they found that the dog handler is not at fault. So what does it take for them to find that the dog handler is at fault? I mean, does somebody have to die before they figure this? You know, that the dog handler and you know the way they use aggressive force on someone using a dog um it just surprises me what about suing Ramina? do we know if the victim plans to file a civil suit um he told me that his lawyer has asked him uh, not to speak about the legalities of what's happening right now same thing the iio is not commenting because uh, the case is before the courts so the iio is not releasing any further information about how they came to the decision that they did as far as supermanium is concerned as far as his injuries go sophie um, he still needs reconstructive surgery on his ear it was a very very serious injury he says that at 29 years of age he did not expect that his life would be where it's at he had dreams of becoming a pilot and all of that has been put on hold because of what happened. Sophie. Rumina Dea reporting in New Westminster. Rumina, thank you. The traffic nightmare caused by the replacement of a natural gas line along First Avenue in Vancouver will soon be experienced by another community. Fortis, B.C. also has plans to dig up one of Coquitlam's busiest commuter routes next year. And while traffic is expected to be bad, it's what's going on under the road that has the city holding up the permits. Ted Chernecki explains. The tranquility of Como Lake won't be disturbed, but the avenue named after it certainly will. Already a major four-lane thoroughfare connecting both ends of Coquitlam, it'll be down to two lanes or closed completely at times, starting in 2019 and lasting for eight months. Eight months? Uh, this is no good, no good service. That's going to clog things up. Eight months? Yeah, it's a long time. Oh my God. 
This is the stretch in question. Not only five kilometers of 30-inch pipe right down the middle of Como Lake Avenue, but some 800 cross connections, meaning a lot of torn-up pavement. Coquitlam is insisting Fortis repave the whole avenue and not just patchwork. If you're going to take our road, could you give it back to us the way it is now, which is not cut every 800, uh, every, every 10 meters along the, on the full length. We're going to replace what we disturb. So if we go in and do this work in the area we cut out and replace it, if we damage other areas as well, we have to replace that as well. So that's just part of our operating agreements. So uh, yes, my understanding, it's about 3.2 million that we've talked about for that. They're talking 6 million. Then there's the issue of the existing 20-inch pipe that's being replaced. In Vancouver along 1st Avenue, Fortis is just leaving it underground but filling it with concrete. Coquitlam wants the old pipe out. We believe they ought to remove it. We do the same thing when we replace a, a water pipe or a sewer pipe. You, you take out the old pipe because you're going to need that space. Standard practice has been, has been over the years to leave the decommissioned pipe in the ground. Um, it's taken care of. Fortis also claims removing the old pipe would require a second trench and longer delays. The BC Utilities Commission has the final say on what is and isn't done. Ted Chernak, Global News. Two anti-pipeline protesters, including a grandmother, sentenced to jail time today. I uh, have never broken the law before in my life, and I have chosen to break this one with what I feel is a good reason. That was Lori Embry of 108 Mile Ranch before entering Supreme Court today. The 70-year-old sentenced to seven days in jail for blocking the gates at Kinder Morgan's Westridge Marine Terminal in June. And to see those two women both being led away, it's just so sad to know what they're going through. Well, there's a lot of people who feel very strongly about this and will put their bodies on the line. Activists say so far this year, more than 200 people have been arrested for demonstrating against the Trans Mountain expansion. They vow to continue their fight as Kinder Morgan prepares to ramp up construction. Controversy over that project and Ottawa's support for it, prompting some residents of Tofino to roll up the welcome mat. Justin Trudeau is there for a family vacation and some protesters are urging local businesses to refuse service to the Prime Minister. Kyle Stanton has more on the protests and how it's dividing the community. Between the waves and stunning scenery, it's no wonder Tofino attracts tourists from all over the world, our Prime Minister included. Every summer for the past couple of years, the Trudeaus have been welcomed here with open arms. But that isn't the case this time around. Awesome day today to, to show Justin Trudeau who's vacationing here uh, to let him know that no means no. No means no! No means no! The Friends of Plyquot Sound are protesting the PM's arrival and the Kinder Morgan pipeline development. Bad for all people of the globe and especially bad for Canada. Making good on the open letter posted in mid-July suggesting the community can act to protect the West Coast while encouraging businesses to deny good and services to the family during their visit. In May, Ottawa promised $4.5 billion for the existing pipeline and terminal in Burnaby and an additional $7.4 billion to build another 1,000 kilometres of infrastructure. Those here today are sharing their concerns over what that could mean for this coastline. Um, there's a lot of emotions tied in with that, you know, um, him choosing to 
you know, ultimately ignore our rights and, you know, completely lie to us. But not everyone here is supporting the action. In a statement, the Tofino Long Beach Chamber of Commerce said, We firmly believe in everyone's right to an unencumbered and undisturbed vacation to be enjoyed with family and friends. Boycotting his... presence and, and services and so on in, in the destination is, is certainly not supported by me and, and I would say the vast majority of, of Tafetians that he should be allowed to have a vacation in peace and to enjoy that. The Prime Minister's office would not confirm how long the Trudeaus are expected to stay in the area, only saying we approved the Trans Mountain Pipeline project because we know our coasts and communities will be protected. Every consideration was taken. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Summer vacations and the heat, like the stretch we're currently in, often lead to a spike in drownings, and this year is no exception. Aaron MacArthur has more on the risk and what to consider before you jump in to help. Plenty of ways to get into the water. Plenty of ways to get into trouble. Not all of them involve extreme behavior. Hot weather often means an increase in the number of drownings. This last couple of weeks proving that to be true. So many of them are are preventable that uh, uh, we we hope people will listen to the messages and, and also listen to stories of friends and relatives because just about everybody has a story of a near drowning. So far this year, 34 people in British Columbia have died in drowning accidents. It's about on par with other years. But recently, around Metro Vancouver, there have been nearly a dozen deaths. In Bunsen and Alice Lake, at Shannon and Golden Ears Falls, People just not giving enough respect to the power and temperature of the water. The environment around you continues to move. Uh, The temperature continues to uh, take heat away from your body. And in these types of temperatures, we may not be overly concerned about it or thinking about it until you're actually uh, floating in that environment. Around Lynn Canyon, the warning signs are everywhere and are unmistakable. Yet people willingly ignore all of them, often putting their friends at risk. So far this year, several would-be rescuers have died while the original victim has survived. Think about where you are. Think about the temperature of that water and how it could affect you. Making logical decisions in the backcountry, in the situation you're in, on the trail near the water is critical. The messaging about drowning is largely getting through. For example, infant and toddler deaths have shrunk dramatically in recent years. It's just not getting through all the time to everyone. Experts warning us all to be prepared for whatever we plan to do on the water this summer. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. But first, after a long campaign backed by celebrities like Kevin Smith and Ryan Reynolds, Vancouver's Rio Theatre has been saved, and that's thanks in large part to the city of Vancouver. But with its $375,000 grant, some wonder if the city is setting a dangerous precedent by bailing out a private business. Tanya Beja reports. After a six-month battle to save the Rio Theatre, Greenlee is keeping the doors open. Come on in. Thank you. 
we are so thrilled to announce that the future of the Rio is no longer uncertain. The city of Vancouver is throwing the theatre a lifeline in the form of a $375,000 grant. That, combined with a mortgage extension, means Lee can buy the building. If we own it, we can determine what happens with the Rio and we want it to stick around for a long time. Lee launched a crowdfunding campaign to buy the theatre after the East Vancouver property was put up for sale. We're here to save the Rio. Celebrity comedian Kevin Smith jumped on board. Community members and investors kicked in roughly $3.9 million. We've raised about 75% of what we needed, and we were kind of just getting to this point where our deadline was coming up, and trying to fill that gap was getting harder and harder. The grant comes from Vancouver's citywide community amenity contributions paid by developers. Because it's one of the few remaining venues, arts and culture venues of its kind, um, this was really an opportunity to help keep it open. And while the city calls the Rio situation unique, it also says up to $12 million is available to arts and culture groups. We certainly are open to um, all of the community really being able to participate and avail themselves of the grants that we currently have. For artistic director Erin Foster, saving the Rio means groups like hers can thrive. It's hard to find a 400-seat theatre that is willing to work with you so well to help produce the shows that you want. Lee calls the victory a team effort. Just really shows you how much everybody gave what they could. Tanya Beja, Global News. Caught on camera, part two of the collapse of a parkade in Irving, Texas. More than 20 cars had already been damaged in the first collapse. Firefighters searched the wreckage and double-checked with nearby office buildings and found that everyone had been accounted for. But they wouldn't allow people whose vehicles weren't damaged back into the parkade. A pretty good decision, considering what happened just a few hours later. Thanks. Amazing. No kidding. Well, it's not something police would recommend, but a Kelowna man is getting some credit for confronting a car thief. He pulled out his phone and started recording when he spotted a stolen car he first learned about on Facebook. Global's Jules Knox has the story and the video. That's a really nice Civic. Yeah, one of those was stolen earlier today. Did you guys do that by chance? Nick Pavlikovsky started filming when he spotted a souped-up Honda Civic in the parking lot of Kelowna's Orchard Park Shopping Centre on Monday. He recognized the car from social media posts, reported as stolen. He seemed like someone that knew what he was doing, kind of. Um, didn't seem phased. But there were red flags. It's 40 degrees out. Why are you wearing gloves? The man gets in the car. The ignition's been f***ed with. He's literally hot wiring it right now. And I thought honestly that it might have, like, they might have found the car and he had the keys and he was going to go and, like, start and show me. But he's just, like, hot wiring it instead. Pavlikovsky and Hedgna say the man then peels out of the parking lot in the car in question. Angela Korf, the car owner, devastated to find her car stolen on Monday morning. Then, while at work, she learns of the video showing her car is still in town. It's like, you know, like when you see those cop shows and like they find the kid and they're like, it's there. And then they like get off with the bad guys again. And you're like, like, I was so close. Corp rallied friends and family to help in the search. And at 10 o'clock on Monday night, they found their prize abandoned at the Superstore parking lot a few blocks away. The man in the video has not been charged or named as a suspect in the theft. Police say they are investigating the video, but at this point, no arrests have been made. RCMP caution that if you do see something suspicious to report it to police because there's no way of knowing how a person might react when confronted.
Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. People with life-threatening allergies are being advised to be extra careful for the rest of the summer. As Nadia Stewart reports, Health Canada says Canadian pharmacies are expected to run out of EpiPens next month. For those with severe allergies, the EpiPen is a lifesaver, an injection at the first sign of anaphylaxis, the difference between life and death. But in Canada, this medication is in very short supply. There was a shipment that was intended to come to Canada in early August, and it's been delayed due to an internal quality investigation, uh, which is causing the delay. Pfizer, the manufacturer, won't elaborate on what specifically sparked that investigation, but it is affecting the delivery of the EpiPen 0.3 milligram dosage worldwide. There's also a limited supply of the EpiPen Junior 0.15 dosage. In Canada, it means there will be a few weeks in August where pharmacies might run out of the medication. First of all, it's, it's important not to panic. I think Health Canada says they've been monitoring the depleting stock for the last several months. For now, they're advising Canadians to avoid stocking up on the medication until the supply is replenished. Check the expiry dates of your EpiPen. Anything expiring in August is still good until the end of the month. And in case of emergencies, they offer this advice. If you're actually having what we call an anaphylactic reaction and you don't have any other EpiPens and all you have is an expired EpiPen, uh, is that you actually use that EpiPen and call 911 immediately. Experts at BC Children's Hospital say the medication is still effective even beyond the end of the month. There's been some research showing that EpiPens are still about 90% active two years past their expiry date which is why I recommend to my patients it's better to use an expired EpiPen rather than not using anything at all. Health Canada says it's difficult to predict shortages like this, but they are expecting some challenges even beyond the end of August. In terms of the overall supply for both medications, it still will be a number of months where we'll have been in this sort of constraint situation, and it may actually go into next year. Nadia Stork, Global News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. <laughs> Emergency crews in Mexico rushed to the site of a jet crash in the Durango state. The plane, carrying 97 passengers and four crew members, went down shortly after takeoff. Remarkably, there are no fatalities and apparently only minor injuries. Early reports say most of the passengers made their own way off the plane. A monsoon thunderstorm hit Phoenix, Arizona, bringing a miserable combination of wind, rain and dust. More than 100,000 people lost power when trees crashed down onto power lines. Some homes were also damaged by falling trees. But thankfully, there are no reports of fatalities. A U.S. federal judge has temporarily stopped the release of blueprints that would allow anyone with a 3D printer to build a gun. America's latest gun control debate centers around one man's plan to make firearms so easily attainable, some say it would be a terrorist's dream. 
They almost look like plastic toys, but experts insist so-called ghost guns can be very lethal. Nine state attorneys general and Senate Democrats have tried to block this man, Cody Wilson, from posting free 3D printer instructions online. Late today, a federal judge agreed to an injunction. Make no mistake about it. This is the doing of the Trump administration. This is part of a long pattern of letting the gun lobby get whatever they want. This morning, President Trump tweeted, I am looking into 3D plastic guns being sold to the public. Already spoke to the NRA. Doesn't seem to make much sense. But it was the Trump administration that agreed Cody Wilson could post the instructions. As long as you have the right to keep and bear arms, you have the right to make them. After the Obama administration had sued to block him. This changes the safety of Americans forever if this is allowed to happen. Fred Guttenberg's 14-year-old daughter, Jamie, was one of 17 people killed in Parkland, Florida in February. Plastic guns, he fears, will mean even more senseless killings. Now every American on the homeland is at risk. Terrorists, they want to home produce guns now on this land? They can't. But Cody Wilson and gun enthusiasts claim they have First and Second Amendment protections. No, gun control is not dead. It's undead. Gun control is undead. And various 3D instructions are online anyway. Meanwhile, the TSA has already confiscated four 3D guns at airports since 2016. I mean, it's a killer's dream. It's a hitman's dream. It's a terrorist's dream. A hijacker's dream. Somebody who wants to hurt you can make their own gun. Nearly 20 wildfires continue to burn out of control across California right now, the most severe still near the community of Redding. There was no evacuation orders, nothing, and then all hell broke loose. That fire has already destroyed more than 1,000 homes and forced tens of thousands to evacuate. Strong and erratic winds have firefighters basically guessing where the flames will go next. One fire protection pilot spotted his own home being swallowed by the flames, but had no choice but to keep fighting. Crews say they are making some progress, but it has already killed two firefighters and four civilians. And how about this? A volunteer finds a miracle survivor of the deadly wildfires in Greece. A dog covered in ashes and suffering burns, but somehow still alive, hiding inside a brick barbecue. They've named him... Lukumakis, after a sweet Greek dessert. He's suffering from minor burns, a leg injury, and smoke inhalation, but is expected to recover. It's not known whether his family survived. Another bombshell announcement from Facebook today. The social media giant says it has uncovered a political influence campaign on its platforms ahead of the U.S. midterm elections with possible links to Russia. So far, the company has removed 32 accounts from Facebook and Instagram, believing they were involved in coordinated political behavior and appeared to be fake. One of the accounts reportedly had more than 300,000 followers. In Health Matters tonight, a Winnipeg eye doctor is warning parents everywhere tonight about a threat to their children's vision, linking problems with eyesight to too much screen time. And as Global's Joe Scarpelli reports, she's calling it an epidemic. He's been staring at his iPad since he was three. 60 hours. Up to seven hours a day, playing games, watching movies. It's too much fun. Now, at seven years old, also Lynn Batry sees is the world up close. See it. Last year, one of Celine's teachers recommended an eye exam. I was shocked, um, you know, like uh, I couldn't believe it and I told 
her that like you should uh, double check him. The eye exam revealed Salin was nearsighted or myopic and he's far from alone. Winnipeg optometrist Kaylee Carrick says at least half the patients she sees under the age of 18 need a prescription. We are definitely seeing an epidemic and an increase in nearsightedness, especially in kids, um, and at a younger rate than we normally would see. Excessive screen time has not been directly linked to nearsightedness. But the Canadian Association of Optometrists is urging kids to put down the tablet and spend more time outdoors. The only thing that's been shown actually scientifically to help slow down progression or a trend toward nearsightedness is being outdoors um, in an environment of natural light. We focus that outside part much more now because we are aware of it. That time we were not aware of it. Okay. Okay. Now his son follows strict screen time guidelines. 15 minutes, wait for another 15 minutes, then watch 15 minutes again, then time's up. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. A very patient and caring grocery store employee in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is being praised for helping a special needs teen. I'm, I'm watching a miracle in action. You know Jordan? Jordan Taylor was stocking shelves when Jack Ryan, who has autism, took an interest in what he was doing. Instead of ignoring him or telling him that he was too busy, Jordan decided to let Jack help. Well, Jack's father grabbed his phone and started recording. All told, the two spent more than a half hour slowly stocking the shelves, with Jordan encouraging Jack the whole time. Actor Alan Alda is revealing he has Parkinson's disease. The MASH star says he was diagnosed three and a half years ago. He's sharing the news in the hopes it will help others by demonstrating there is still so much those battling the neurodegenerative disorder can do. Alan Alda soared to fame as Hawkeye, the quick-witted surgeon in the TV series MASH. Why don't we have a drink? Played a politician on the West Wing. I think I'm Republican enough. Was an Oscar nominee for The Aviator. Now his most dramatic turn, revealing on CBS he was diagnosed more than three years ago with Parkinson's. I've had a full life since then. Alta said his first symptoms were acting out in his sleep. I was having a dream that someone was attacking me and I threw a sack of potatoes at them. But what I was really doing is throwing a pillow at my wife. Wow. Uh. <laughs> The disease of the nervous system causes tremors, stiffness, poor balance, and difficulty speaking. In his most recent role off-screen, Alda has been an advocate for better communication about science and says that's why he's speaking out now. In the very beginning, to be immobilized by fear and think the worst thing has happened to you, it hasn't happened to you, you still have things you can do. Today, Alta posted this video of himself juggling, saying he'll maintain a busy schedule with his podcast, acting, playing tennis, enjoying his life. Rahima Ellis, NBC News, New York. I love Hawkeye. It's so, <laughs> so such a good show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, the new food coming to the fair. Would you eat this? The cricket-covered caramel apple and what else you can find at this year's PE coming up right after the forecast. Uh, did I say we're going to send you down there, Gaelic? Yeah, you know what? I try, I try a bite. <laughs> I've eaten a cricket before, but that looks like it just fell on the midway f- yeah, ground. Yeah, exactly. It's a protein, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it is protein. 
There you go. Uh, Gotta remember. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, Christy Gordon, um, yes. there will be quite a sight in the sky tonight. That's right. Mars will be the closest to Earth that it's been since 2003, which means it'll be five times brighter. You want to look southeast at around 10 p.m. That's when it'll be uh, making its way up over the horizon. It will be out all night, but that will be the best point in time to see it. So if you want to check that out. A beautiful sunrise today for the first time in 10 days. We saw some cloud cover push on, marine air, and you felt it. It was certainly cooler today. Here's a look at the temperatures. So we were at 32, 33 degrees across western sections and up to 37 inland uh, yesterday and that is a whole different ball game today. Much more comfortable, although hot for some areas re reaching 30 degrees. Air quality advisory has ended for much of Metro Vancouver. It's still in place for just the eastern sections and the Fraser Valley but we expect it to get better, the air quality tomorrow and Thursday as we continue to see this air mass change and we start to see more uh, marine air push on shore. However, we're not expecting the haze to change. The air quality advisory has to do with the ground level ozone and that will change, but the haze is from the smoke in various, from various fires and that is expected to continue in the coming days. Now, we had record highs in the interior, three of them here. Lynn, uh, again, the hottest uh, across all of Canada, hitting 40.2 degrees, but you are going to see a reprieve in the interior tomorrow. However, we've talked about how dry it is. So, so dry. And now look at all the lightning strikes. In fact, we have a severe thunderstorm warning in effect for Prince George right now. Look at all these lightning strikes. So just in the last little while, 48 strikes. We've had hundreds, though, throughout the day, if not thousands. And now we've got a number of thunderstorm cells making their way towards Prince George, Fraser Lake, and Vanderhoof potentially uh, going to be affected in the next hour. Down through the south, also a number of lightning uh, or thunderstorms, but less lightning strikes, thankfully, about 23 just in the last little while, but still with it being so dry, any lightning is not good news. And we have more of it on the way for tomorrow from the north, spreading all across the south. We will see pockets of thunderstorms right into southern BC. Temperatures tomorrow starting to cool off a little bit, but still one more hot one for you in the interior. But for the south coast, certainly a change for us tomorrow. We'll see 23 to about 27 degrees. There's a cooler air mass with a chance of showers on Friday. Highs of only 20 degrees and that's below seasonal for this time of year. We started with a sunrise and I'll leave you with a sunset from you Clulet. Thanks to Doug. Oh, wrapping it up with a nice tidy little bow there, Christy. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks, Christy. Well, even the P&E uh, P admits it's not going to be to everyone's taste, but what's the fare without some new crazy food to experiment with? Among the new snacks to test your sense of culinary adventure is the aforementioned caramel apple rolled in salty oven-roasted crickets. There's also <laughs> black charcoal ice cream in a number of variations. Another new addition, the garlic vanilla milkshake burger. Oh, my. I don't even understand yeah, where that came that. from. And if that's not enough, here's the deep fried burger. So oh yeah, I think burger. Swear. Yeah, it's deep fried. No, I never had the deep fried burger. Didn't no. the guy? I thought you did. I thought the guy you profiled that one year did deep fried burgers. Well, he did, but I didn't eat one. But you didn't eat one. We, yeah, we, yeah. What we did with that guy was we brought food that he had yet to deep fry to see if it right. worked. Oh, right. If it would deep fry. Most didn't work except for one. The corn and the cob worked. Right. Okay, Squire, go. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, there have been a lot of great families to play in the NHL. We have just seen two of the best brothers ever wrap things up. And shortly after the Sedins retired, the Canucks drafted 
the oldest of another highly thought of hockey family, the Hughes family featuring Quinn and Jack, who is expected to be the number one prospect for next year's draft. There are Canuck fans who hope the Sedins are not the last great brotherhood in franchise history. These fans dream of the Hughes boys both being in Vancouver. The Canucks already have Quinn, who's a defenseman, one more subpar season and some lottery luck, and they could get his younger brother Jack, who's a center. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. You know, I, I hope the Canucks have a really good season. Um, I'm sure Jack will be going pretty early, but um, you know, it's it's like I said, it's something all brothers dream of, and, and that'd be that'd be pretty fun. I mean, when you're playing many sticks in the basement, like you dream of playing for the same NHL team, but. Uh, I'm not too worried about that. I know Quinn's in a great spot, and uh, I still have a lot of work to go. So if that could happen, great. If not, great. They are teammates right now for the USA at the Summer Showcase in Kamloops, and they will be teammates at the World Juniors in Vancouver this December and January. Anytime you get to be on the ice with a kid like Quinn, um, even if he's my brother or not, like you'd be excited to play with him because he's so good. Uh, they, they don't have a lot of fear in their, in, in their game. They don't mind giving it up and getting it back. Um, I think they play with pace. Uh, you know, they're, they're good hockey players. Quinn, of course, decided last weekend to do another year at the University of Michigan rather than join the Canucks this September. It's a decision that was made by him and his family and one that the Canucks supported to help build his game and his confidence for when he does arrive with the Canucks. Um, you know, do I, do I think I could have played this year? Absolutely. But um, you know, I want to step in when, when I can really make a difference and, and help the Canucks win hockey games. So, um, you know, the setup we have at Michigan with coaching staff, teammates, and, and facilities there, I think there's no, no reason I shouldn't get, you know, 5-10% better over the year. His ETA could be next April. He could finish the season with Michigan and sign with the Vancouver Canucks. That's possible. The Whitecaps are having one of their best seasons ever when it comes to scoring goals. No, they don't have a figure like Camillo filling the net, but they do, of course, have the rapidly improving Alfonso Davies. The Caps are averaging about a goal and a half per game this season. That's pretty good, but there is a big problem, and that's the fact its offense has to make up for its defensive shortcomings because right now the Whitecaps are en route to their worst defensive season in club history. They are averaging two goals against per game. That's not a number that usually gets you in the playoffs. And two goals is exactly what they allowed against Minnesota last weekend. They won the game, but the two goals against is worrying. Last game we did really well for, what, 83 minutes or so? And we had one, you know, lapse. And that's kind of what it's been this year. We've, we've defended really well and kind of gave them easy goals. And I think that's what we need to clean up on. We need to make sure that we are focused for 90-plus minutes. They look at the back line, yes, we can do better, but... Um happened in the 85th minute and you know like you said a little bit fatigue from the few games so it's not an excuse um the game should be done and we should be able to close out the game at that time we scored four goals on saturday and we did and we should have scored six or seven we're disappointed we scored two goals and yeah it can tidy up we should we need to tidy up that because as the games get more intense towards the latter part of the season uh we need to make sure we don't give away silly goals which we've done a lot this year a second goal all right, the latest in the Alfonso Davies story is tomorrow's All-Star game in Atlanta where the MLS's best will take on Juventus. Uh, Davies has been selected to rep the Caps. He was actually selected before all this Byron Munich signing stuff took place and his rapid rise to spectacular goal scorer. 
Yeah, I th- it's it's great for him. It really is. He's had a whirlwind ten days. I said on the on the game on Saturday that the first twenty minutes, I thought he, he looked like he'd got his boots on the wrong feet. Um, you know, uh, but he was probably trying too hard. He doesn't need to try too hard when he plays his game naturally. He does what he does, and you know, an exceptional performance by him. Um, you know, I didn't give him too much praise because I've not done that all season in relation to trying to keep his feet on the ground. He'll go there now. He's full of full of top world-class players in the All-Star team as well as Juventus. He'll go and enjoy it. And it's an experience that can't be taken away from him. So hopefully he only plays 45 minutes, which would be nice. Oh, he was almost injured by Kai Kamara's <laughs> celebrational <a> tackle. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Squire. Thanks, Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. In the midst of a rental housing crisis in Metro Vancouver, we'll show you where you can rent a parking stall-sized apartment and how much it'll cost you. And the body of one of three fishermen who went missing off Tofino last month has been identified. 39-year-old Marcel Martin had been honored for bravery after he helped save lives in another West Coast tragedy three years ago. Plus, three North Shore beaches closed due to contaminated water. Where the latest warnings are, what people are being urged not to do. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks very much, Jay. All right. Coming up, the cop who doesn't just bust criminals, he busts a move. That's next. So do you. Sometimes (laughs) I do. Well, community outreach seems to be paying off for the Halifax Police Department. In the latest example of goodwill, one officer's spontaneous dance moves in the bar district are getting a lot of attention online. Constable Jordan Shepard can't believe the reaction this video is getting. It's uh, remarkable. I, I can't believe the attention that it's getting and um, I'm just a person that loves his job and happens to wear uh, a uniform and apparently when you go dancing in it, this is the reaction that you get. Shepard was caught busting some pretty impressive dance moves over the weekend while working at Pizza Corner. It certainly wasn't staged at all. Um, this is just something that if I can describe it in one word, it would be spontaneity. Shepard says having fun and dancing with some local residents is one way to break down barriers. There is a lot of negative publicity and uh, perception from the public to the police. So I hope this just gave everybody an opportunity to see that we are human and we just have a job to do. And I know I certainly like to have fun doing my job. Police say lighthearted incidents like Shepherd's weekend dance party allows residents to see officers as members of the community. I think it really helps for the public to see us as people, you know, and what it does, I think, is it it lets them see who we are. We're just people doing a job that we love to do. As for Shepard, his sweet dance moves apparently run in the family. You know what? I have to give credit to mom. I love you. So she'd kill me if I didn't say that. Natasha Pace, Global News, Halifax. Squires. What were you going to say? Well, he was, it was bugging Square that he couldn't see yeah, who, that. He the, wasn't in frame the entire time. Well, the time. camera guy, I think, was dancing, too. It's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> I want to see the cop. I don't need to see everybody else. Apparently, <laughs> that was the whip nene, whatever that. That was, yeah. Mm. And what's the cardinal rule? I say about it. I repeat it all the time. If you follow me on Twitter, turn your phone sideways. When you're Looks shooting. way better. Mm-hmm. And also, point it at the subject, please. <laughs> That's right. We have a camera pointed at the subject. Judy Loken just turned 75. Yay. That's her on the left. Hi, Judy. And that's my mom on the right. Judy's my mom's buddy, so the, hey, 
free free studio <laughs> tour tonight. But for some reason, the three people in the middle didn't deserve an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Happy birthday, yeah. Judy. Bonnie, Ren, and Megan, thank yeah. you very much for watching, everybody. Happy birthday, Tim Perry, producer, too.